I love the World Cup made of Coke. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Sunday, July 4th, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 214. This is No Agenda. Enjoying life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower, Crackpot Command Center, and Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from uh, the northern, northern part of Gitmo Nation, where the Indians sell fireworks by the ton, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. <laughs> them damn Indians selling fireworks. <laughs> by the ton. <laughs> in the morning, John. In the morning to you, and in the morning to everyone out there and to all ships at sea. And to all human resources listening live now at noagendastream.com. Oh, John, let me start. I got there's something so cool that I have to uh, demonstrate to you. So um, there's a new version out of uh, the iPhone app uh, Pocket No Agenda. Okay, good. Okay, yeah, well, but, but what's really good about it is if I tweet, I'm going to tweet right now. I have a... Oh, hold on a second. (sighs) Tweet not posted, damn it. Uh, So I'm going to say, we're live now with no agenda. Right? This is great. Hold on a second. Noagendastream.com. And I do a special code, which works only for my Twitter account. Check this out. So I sent the tweet. Now, I'm going to hold my iPhone up to the phone. And the tweet is uh, now gone, and it should take uh, only a second or two. <sighs> of course, watch my demo not work now, right? Hold on. <sighs> Here it is. Oh, shoot, I had it on silent. Ah, oh, damn it. Anyway, uh, so I just got Fascinating. a... Fascinating. Pu- yeah, I know. I just got a push notification that actually goes, in the morning, and it sends the, we're now live with no agenda. And then you open it up, it takes you straight to the stream. Oh, really? Yeah, so we've got push notification, and uh, the minute you know we're live, I send out the special tweet with the code, and then uh, anyone who has that uh, app installed uh, gets an in-the-morning sound <laughs> and, and, uh, and a badge that tells you to, you know, and then when you just tap on it, then it opens up the Pocket No Agenda app. Cool, right? Yeah, who did that? That's Adam Burkpile, uh, the guy who's been doing this uh, Pocket No Agenda app for a while. It's awesome. And, of course, if there's any calamity afoot ever, then it's like a bat signal. Huh. Yeah. Well, now that you mention it, I think I should tweet my uh, status. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't work on your account. <laughs> but why, why don't you tweet, and then uh, I'll retweet it, and I'll see if I can make it work. I don't know why. I, I had my phone on silent like a douchebag. I'm sorry about that. That really blew my whole demo, didn't it? Uh, no, but I think the description's good enough. Yeah. So uh, you're up uh, with family today. That's nice. Uh, happy 4th of July, I should say, actually. Yes, you should. Um. I was reading the uh, Declaration of Independence last night, uh, as one does on the eve of uh, the 4th of July. So how you, how you and Mickey getting along? <laughs> you know what? She actually wanted me to read it to her as a bedtime story. And, and she, she did, and she fell did asleep. she punk out? <laughs> no, she loves it. She, she said, wow, that was a pretty interesting document. And it's funny because when you read the whole Declaration of Independence, this, of course, was because the uh, colonists were... Uh, teed off at King George and they wanted to separate uh, and uh, and they came up with uh, this uh, interesting concept uh, 
of the Republic. Uh, when you read through the through the through the letter, uh, a lot of it is exactly the situation we're in right now. You know, a lot of it was about taxes, so uh, taxes without representation, essentially uh, going into war uh, without consent of the people. I mean, it's like, it's like you know, we could separate ourselves from Washington D.C. any any day now. We're ready to go. We just need a new version of the Declaration of Independence. It's funny. Well, you know, the irony of this uh, taxation thing back then was that, which confused King George, who I think, if you, if you look him up, I think he wasn't very old. Uh, but anyway. He was probably in his mid-20s or something like I that. I think he was like 17 or something. Really? Oh, no, I didn't think he was that young. Okay, 17, wow. Or something. You can, uh-huh. you can figure it out. I, I saw his, his birth date recently, and I said, wait a minute. If we had our War of Independence in 1776, this was a kid. Nobody talks about that, or either that or the birth date was wrong. So anyway, the um, George was actually making the taxation uh, lower. Wait a minute. I, th- I thought the whole thing was we had the Seven Years' War. Well, we didn't. Europe and Prussia and everyone was fighting. And uh, Great Britain needed money. And that's when he, he said to the colonies, he said, hey, uh, send us your cash. He actually lowered the uh, taxation because he knew everyone was going to get irked about it, but he felt it wasn't being adequately collected. There was just some levels of corruption, so he so he enforced the collection, uh-huh. and it turns out they ended up having to pay twice as much. Okay, because they weren't paying any; they were just basically cheating him. Well, yeah, but they, <laughs> yeah, it's the American way. What's your the problem? <laughs> What's your problem? Shut up. <laughs> What I did, I did come across uh, Thomas Paine's, uh, and I, I, this is a piece of history I didn't know. Thomas Paine uh, had to commute, um, or I guess was tasked with the job of communicating um, what the, the United States was all about to the to the masses. And he wrote a, a pamphlet or a book, I guess it was called a pamphlet back then, called Common Sense. And that's where the phrase common sense comes from. That could be. Yeah, I can hear you're amazed. But anyway, uh, yeah, well, Payne was a uh, uh, rabble rouser. Well, good job. We still use it today. It's common sense, they say. So anyway, so the 4th of July is underway. And, of course, his uh, fireworks are legal in the state of Washington. And um, so I went to a couple of fireworks places to see what was going on. And the funny thing is it's very different than you would get in the olden days uh, where there were things such as, you know, to find firecrackers is, you know, the old Chinese ones with the crazy, with the little, with the cool labels, you know, um, it's like pulling teeth there. They, instead they got all these weird bombs and rockets. Oh and yeah. That's, it's all esoteric stuff. Bucks and you can buy all these crazy things. And there's even a thing called a hand grenade, which looks like a hand grenade. <laughs> uh, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> Teach them kids young. Yeah. Grab this hand grenade. You'll be using one soon in the desert, son. You might as well get used to it. So they have, there's this documentary coming out on the Afghan war that some woman just wrapped up. There's, they're promoting it. I can't remember the name of it, but it's, you'll, it'll be promoted to death. I think it's going to be on PBS. And um, she apparently embedded herself with the training camp for a year or two. Uh, in the early days of the Afghan war with all these guys, it's like watching the Keystone cops. Oh, really? Yeah. They hand an Afghani a hand grenade. They've never seen one before. So the guy immediately drops it. It's funny that you say that because when I was in Iraq for, uh, for that 10 days, oops, sorry about that. 
um, you know, the, uh, so every day we went to a different town and, um, and, and, and different uh, camps. And we went to the Iraqi training camp where they were training, uh, the local Iraqis to become a police and security force. And it was exactly the same thing. It was like Keystone cops. And they gave us a little demo and they had them line up, you know, they all have their, uh, I, uh, I think they had AKs actually. And, uh, you know, the, the drill sergeant says, you know, about face. And then half of them turn right. The other half turn left. <laughs> <laughs> we were all like, what? Yeah, I, <laughs> I have that on film somewhere. It was the funniest thing. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and it only costs what, what did we hear them? That guy say a billion dollars a day or whatever. Yes. <laughs> so ridiculous. Hmm. Makes you go. Hmm. Doesn't it? Well, so there's a bunch of interesting things that came out. Uh, just, I mean, you know, this is kind of a slow news week because of the 4th of July. Everyone's kind of orienting their news towards the uh, patriot, uh, patriotic aspects of the holiday. Perhaps we should uh, look at our executive producers and producers for this episode before we uh, jump yeah, right we into do stuff. Have, uh, we have four executive producers. Oh, my gosh, this is a big show. And no associates because these are all, these are all good uh, donations from um, top people. Wow. Okay. So let's start with Lawrence Fransek, who is, uh, or it could be pronounced Franchek. Uh, he is, uh, he gave us, uh, $850 from Danville, California. Hi, wow. Adam and John. This will complete my knighthood. Oh, nice. Although I don't see the knight logo on the spreadsheet. Hint. Yeah. Eric. Uh, this will complete my knighthood. A few months back, I donated on behalf of my girlfriend, and she was hired for a summer internship, paying double what she expected. Nice. Now she's up for a job at Google, so we need to bring out the big karma guns. <laughs> bring out the big karma guns. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Karma gun. I like that. That is good. We're going to have to do some art around karma gun. And, Maybe some, and some sound effects. That up. Yeah. Yeah, sound effect. Also, several production companies in Hollywood are reading scripts my buddy and I wrote. Christ. So, if, hey, I need a bit part. Do you mind? Yeah, really. <laughs> so I wrote that I wrote or that we wrote. So if one sells, I'll upgrade to a double night. I love the show. All the best. Soon to be Sir Lawrence Franchek. You know, that's great. And I hope that when he sent those scripts in, he actually had his, uh, his producer credits listed as well. Yeah. And, and send us a copy of your script with your producer credit there so we uh, can put that in the archives. Very nice. Uh, Thank you, Lawrence. Now we have a three, uh, a three, 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 thirty-three, thirty-three cool. times three. Wow, it's a super lucky blast. It's a number. This is the yeah. We need a big three on the artwork today. Um, hey, John and Adam, you butchered the pronunciation of my name last Sunday, but that happens sometimes because I have the Russian spelling of the name, but it's a Greek name. You pronounce it the same as the Greek version, Constantine. Last name is also easy to pronounce if you rhyme it with my first name, Rakatine. Constantine Rakatine. Constantine Rakatine. So, uh, $333.33. One more to go, and he's, uh, he's an extra. He's, yeah, one more to go, and he's a knight. Uh, Josh Feldman, Quincy, Massachusetts. Uh, thanks for opening my eyes to a new way of looking at the news and world events. You're welcome. That's payment number two toward knighthood. And finally, Eric Lance, Cary, North Carolina. Uh, no comment. So that's our uh, four executive producers. Wow, that's... Uh, Ace for today's show. That's stunning. That is phenomenal. And it's a holiday show, so everybody's happy. And so we do not have an associate executive. We just have uh, four... Wow, this is like, uh, like a season finale of Entourage. 
You know? It's like Law and Order or something. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, I like, you know, I like the way they spread them out. If you watch some of these TV shows, they first you see executive producer. Then, then again, you see it again. Mm-hmm. And they're actually, instead of running like executive producer and putting four names, they put executive producer one name. And then a few frames later, executive yeah. producer yeah. one. It just keeps going. Yeah, well, hey, you know, people are paying for the show. They, they, they want their props. They don't want to be just on a list, you know. Uh, a couple things I wanted to mention before we get underway. The uh, first results of the No Agenda Demographics survey is out at noagendademographics.com. Uh, I was, uh, I will rescind. I was a little skeptical about this uh, in the beginning, but uh, I really, have you seen this, John? Have you looked at the results? Yeah. yeah. The problem, you know, the thing is, yeah, you'd be skeptical. For some reason, I don't know what it is about these sort of uh, demographic studies, but you get fascinated by it. And what's interesting, the, the one I thought was the most interesting is our, is our age demo. You know, if we wanted to sell ads on this show, we oh, would, we, nailed we, it. we could make a killing. I mean, we are in exactly in the sweet spot. I mean, it's, uh, uh, let's see, 32% is 19 to 28, 26% is 29 to 38. We have a healthy 7% of 14 to 18-year-olds. I mean, it's, it's an outstanding demographic. Yeah. Well, and, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the show is actually produced. <laughs> so it's well, like a, it, it has a commercial style, which I think people like in that demo. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think. Uh, oh, you mean people. stuff like. Uh, in the morning. That's what does it? I think so. Okay. Yeah. It I, makes think it sound a, pro. I think it's a very classy uh, production uh, that we, we managed to pull off. And neither one of us are, neither one of us are in, in, the, in the sweet spot demo. No, no, by far. The, the states in the United States of Gitmo Nation, uh, big listenership in Illinois, Indiana, Massachusetts. Midwest. Yeah, Midwest. Fantastic. A lot in New York, Red though. States. Yeah. Uh, North Carolina, Ohio. The blue states, Pennsylvania. Well, that's red and blue. West, uh, uh, Washington. Well, of course, that's your whole family's listening. Yeah, that's five. Uh, eating habits was pretty funny. Ninety-one percent of the no agenda, uh, no agenda, no no agenda demographic is carnivore. Seven percent is a loose vegetarian. One percent strict vegetarian. One percent pescatarian. And loose vegan and strict vegan zero percent. I guess uh, I know we have a. Uh, at least, oh, we have at we, least we have, three or four major uh, vegans that listen to the show. This is the point. You know, so they, they didn't uh, participate in the survey, uh, right? obviously. No agenda-related questions. I like this. 39% of you are crackpot. 36% buzzkill. 7% denialist. 15% are... Uh, Douchebag! <laughs> that's nice. Uh, 63% have shared no agenda. 38% have not. 14% uh, listen on the stream. 20% download MP3, subscribe 66%. That's great. And then this is this is the real killer. Percentage of listeners who have listened for uh, since the beginning, 25%. That's huge. 23% for the past half year. I mean, this is just it's outstanding uh, and it makes me feel proud of the work we've done. And even well, more Maybe we should we should reset the, the entire survey and do it again. Mm-hmm. But this time we should promote it a little better instead of being so skeptical and see if we can get different results. Okay, that's an idea. Well, we'll see what our, uh, our demographer uh, thinks of the idea. And we'll, before we uh, start pushing it real hard, let's make sure he's all set up for it at uh, yeah. noagendademographics.com. And then uh, I do want to call out Jeff Lunt as the PR associate because he, uh, he came up with a really good idea. This may, we may have discussed this before, but I really like what he did. 
Jeff says, in the morning, guys, I've been a listener for well over a year today. It's my honor and humble duty to send some cash your way. Uh, and so we'll, he'll show up in the donation segment. Uh, as a side note, uh, I know you're uh, looking out for the sysadmins, so I uh, decided to return the favor in a silly way. I run feelgoodtrader.com, which is a Craigslist competitor, and today I changed the 404, 422, and 500 web server error pages to include a link back to no agenda. It says it's my equivalent of the Twitter fail whale page, and I thought this was such an outstanding idea. If you go to... Um, feelgoodtrader.com 404.html so if people misspell something mistype it etc uh, you get this great page it says the page you were looking for doesn't exist about 87% likely it's the programmer's fault 10% chance that our server crashed maybe 3% chance the world is coming to an end we've been notified about this issue we'll take a look at it shortly then there's our logo and it says underneath that of course if the world's coming to an end these guys may be the only ones that can help us <laughs> with the link to, to no agenda <laughs> So uh, thank you. I, I think we that's... encourage everyone to do this. Yeah. If you run a server. It's a fantastic idea. So uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Jeff Lunt. You are the PR associate for uh, today's episode. And our executive producers, Lawrence Franchek, Constantine Rakitin. Did I say it right? Constantine Rakitin. Constantine Rakitin. Josh Feldman, Eric Lance, all of you, uh, thank you very much. We highly appreciate it. These are uh, big producer credits, and it's a big show, so make sure you put that on your resume. Everybody else out there, you know what to do. If you're not donating, then propagate. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. And now, audience participation moment, particularly in the chat room, noagendachat.com. Come on, say it with me now. I didn't find it was that slow of a week, actually. Uh, okay, well, you might have more material than I do. I have more lightweight stuff. I got I have something that I, I wanted to do the little light. It's not heavy duty news. It's uh, it, it has to do. I was watching. Okay, maybe I could have been watching C SPAN. The problem up here is I only have one C SPAN channel. Ooh, all, oh, you're deprived. This is no yeah, good. Yeah, so it was these hearings. These so <laughs> so I so I ended up looking around for some good news channel. I got stuck on this home shopping network. Oh, once you get stuck there, it's hard to get out. You you fall so into I, a trance. This, this guy selling a Mitsubishi. Uh, I don't want to play this entire clip, but there's this guy selling this Mitsubishi. Uh, a uh, very, a uh, very, I would, how would you say a this? Car? Probably, a Mitsubishi uh, car? He's kind of uh, effeminate guy who's the main announcer. And then he brought in a, a professional and a guy from supposedly a spokesperson for Mitsubishi. But the guy was obviously a train, not only a trained voice, but it was so funny. I couldn't get off of it because it was the voice you love so much. The, One of these puking voices? Sorry? One of these puking voices like that? It was, yeah, yeah. So I want to play two clips. One of them is, there's one thing that these guys do, which they swallow some of these long words. And in this case, it's the word opportunity. Opportunity. And it's like this opportunity. Opportunity. And he says it in such a way that it's just fascinating me. But it was in the second clip where he says something that will crack you up. I guarantee it's hilarious. But it's such a puker's voice. So if you if you play an opportunities, which is a short clip, okay. you'll, you'll get the feeling for the guy's voice. Okay. And this is free, 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 free. <laughs> and you can build several different channels. So if you want the love channel for those romantic <laughs> evenings, you build in love music. If you want the heavy metal channel, you do that as well. So you are given 
some opportunities. But there's just there's more. Voodoo. Well, if you want the love channel, you can just program that to pick up on some opportunities. <laughs> if you want some heavy metal as well, we got that some love channel. Yeah, now. <laughs> so uh, so this, the word opportunities, the way he, he opportunities. words it out, yeah. opportunities. I found fascinating. So what is the other one? Because I don't know what it's now, called. The other one is the NASA clip. And this is the one where he says something that, I mean, it was just like, I said, I'm recording this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can I play it? Yeah. NASA does an application for this TV. Watch as we go to the videos that NASA provides. They update these constantly. This Look last this. one was Tuesday, June 29th. Mm -hmm. Look at this. It's called What's Up for July. I press the button and I get the NASA report for July for your kids. And wow. it's going to talk about Look. what's up in the Milky Way. <laughs> Look at the graphics in the video. You can't hear what they're saying right now, but they're talking all about the space exploration that's going on at NASA right now. What's up in the Milky Way? <laughs> I cracked up. I'll hear that again. That was good. Your kids, and wow. it's going to talk about Look. what's up in the Milky, Milky way. way. In the Milky Way, it's actually hard to do. <laughs> it is hard. You know, it's hard to do. I, even you can't can't do it. That that voice, that guy's voice is so overtrained. Oh man, that's awesome. We should hire him to do some uh, drops for us. Yeah, hey, what's up with the Milky New World Order? Yeah, actually, he could do some great ones. Yeah. As you mentioned it. He I don't know another guy around here that, that can do that extreme, uh, you know, 50s, 60s voice. Yeah, fantastic, though. Hey, can I just point out, John, that we are doing a show on a national holiday? Yeah, we, that's a kind of effort we put into this thing. Yeah, we don't mess around. And I got people coming over. Yeah. <laughs> I had that we were going to have a big dinner today, but because of the show and some other things, we did it yesterday. Re do you really, so you actually... Um, changed your life for the show yeah it's a sacrifice i of course everyone sleeps in anyway so it doesn't you know like, well we got our uh, executive producers underwriting us so i think it's uh value for value there um part of the uh, some real news crossed over into some really interesting news and both of us went wtf on it and now back to real news. And I realized only this morning while prepping the uh, show that uh, Associated Press actually changed their press notice, their uh, little blurb, uh, to omit the, uh, the condemning evidence of something being afoot in South Africa. Uh, so, uh, one of you our, mean the, this fixes in, yes, uh, our Minuteman bean sent this to us and I, and I got the exact link from him and I'm like, well, it's not in here. And then I did a Google search and I found that they had changed the story. Wow. So, um, the, uh, only read the, the original story then. Yeah, that was a big wow to me as well. Port Elizabeth, South Africa, a court in South Africa has dropped a marijuana smoking case against Paris Hilton. The socialite appeared late Friday in a FIFA World Cup courtroom after being arrested on suspicion of possession of marijuana at a quarterfinals match between Brazil and the Netherlands. And, uh, of course, uh, Minuteman Bean went, FIFA World Cup courtroom? And uh, he sent us a link on that. Let me just read the, uh, the scrubbed version. Uh, the scrubbed version says, uh, Port Elizabeth, South Africa, the former Playboy playmate convicted of possessing... Uh, so it was a friend of hers, apparently. Um, here it is. We are saying, as they changed the whole story around, we are saying she must go. Mam Mamupa told the Associated Press, the person is found in illegal possession of an illegal substance, convicted by a duly constituted court of law. So we have to act. And, and, and then uh, 
It says here, Hilton had been arrested after Rovero, uh, with Rovero after Friday's Brazil-Netherlands match in Port Elizabeth on suspicion of possession of marijuana, then had the case dropped at midnight in a court hearing. So there's no more mention of this FIFA World Cup court. And we're both like, what? World Cup court? What is this? And uh, lo and behold, uh, essentially South Africa sold out their legal system. <laughs> And uh, there is indeed the, the FIFA World Cup court. They, they sent a whole bunch of judges and magistrates and, and lawyers down there to uh, keep, uh, to dispel its crime-ridden image before and during the tournament. South Africa agreed to the establishment of 56 World Cup courts across the country, staffed by more than 1,500 dedicated personnel, including magistrates, prosecutors, public defenders, and interpreters, intended to dispense speedy justice they sit late into the night. And this is, this is unbelievable. And of course, the main reason they're there is to bust uh, counterfeiters who don't have a license uh, to peddle uh, f- uh, World Cup goods. That's the main reason they're there, is to protect the interest of the, uh, the license yeah, holders. Yeah, the, the licensees. <laughs> but apparently, now, the, the, our friend uh, sent uh, the producer that sent that note and also did a calculation on the on what these things cost per case. Yeah, one hundred and sixty thousand pounds per conviction, as according to the Guardian, actually. Yeah, the Guardian put that in right. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It, but but it's it's like a hijack of the legal system. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's yeah, just, it's just the beginning of the end for this sort of thing. We're gonna have this. I bet you one of these things crops up in the U.S. one of these days. What one of these? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it boggles the if mind. It hasn't already. It boggles the mind. And now I understand. You know, get, there was a huge brouhaha. Gitmo Nation Lowlands. Uh, there was a like five girls, and they were all in orange, and uh, they were thrown out of the stadium because officials said that they were trying to promote the Bavaria beer label. And of course, uh, Heineken. Uh, no, uh, Anheuser Busch. I think has the uh, the official beer license. And so they got thrown out of the like cute girls too. They got thrown out of the stadium, and you see that they were indeed wearing Bavaria beer um, outfits. But it was like the only thing that said Bavaria on them was a little label, like literally like a washing tag label. <laughs> and the World Cup court threw them out. Shut up, slaves! Get out. That's unbelievable. There was an interesting uh, theory I was reading about. Uh, now, I have not been following this other than uh, the Netherlands. Of course, the Netherlands beat uh, Brazil. I might add with uh, 10 guys on the field. So they were down one guy. Uh, yeah, it was embarrassing for Brazil. Well, and but, you yeah. know, the thing is, these games are rigged. The Brazilians lost and so did the Argentinians, which are the two Thank major you. favorites. And now we're going to end up seeing Germany versus the Netherlands in the final game, and it's going to have all kinds of political implications, and the Netherlands is going to beat Germany. Well, so here... That's my theory. Now, is Spain out? Does Spain have... No, no, Spain's got one match. I think they're playing either Germany. Yeah, I think they're playing Germany. So here's an interesting thesis. Throughout history, um, the winner of the World Cup always, or not always, often appears to be a country that is in a state of huge political turmoil... Well, that means Spain would win the whole that thing. That is what I'm going to predict. So, 1954, Germany defeated Hungary. Of course, uh, this was after the war, and uh, there was really bad times in Germany. 1966, uh, uh, England hosted the World Cup, and of course, there was Britain at the time uh, was in uh, 
in, you know, people were revolting. Uh, there was the Rhodesia crisis. There was a lot of bad stuff going on. Then we had, um, and, and this, I'd actually forgotten about this, 1978, it was Argentina who needed, uh, needed the win, and the Dutch team was playing against Argentina, and the best, arguably the best player in the world, Johan Cruyff, refused to go and play for the Dutch team. He said because of you know, his personal security, whatever. I think, the, I think Cruyff already knew that the fix was in, and they could not win, and he didn't want to go there just to be defeated. In uh, 82, it went to Ital- uh, Italy. Of course, uh, in the 80s, uh, Italy was virtually on the brink of a civil war. You know, and, and now I think you're right, Spain, and even though everyone's thinking Germany versus Holland, and both Germany and Holland could use a win because the Netherlands, I mean, they still don't have a government, and we're now almost right, one month. Right, and I also think there's still, there's, there's still this beef about the bicycles. <laughs> there's no chance Germany can win the World Cup if, if, if this thing is rigged the way we suspect it is. I'm going to call France, just, uh, I'm sorry, Spain, just, as an, uh, just to test the theory, although I'd love the Netherlands to win, you know, that'd be great and everything, but it's, it's great. The whole country has forgotten about the fact that they have no government. They forget, they've completely forgotten. They, they don't, it's like, why, who cares? You look at all the newspapers, front page is all orange, 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 soccer, 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 and they have no government. And, the, and, they, and it's like, what? No one cares. They absolutely do not care. Nobody it's astounding. Um, but Spain, you know, the people there are on the verge of rioting. In fact, they are starting to riot. And it's too late for Greece, you know. Uh, and, of course, that's why they get kicked out. Did Greece even play? I don't know if Greece even played. I see. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. So, I don't, you know, we, I, I'm not the biggest soccer fan in the world. No, no, just, let's just face it. Neither of us know what the hell we're talking about. So I'm just going to call it. So I, I know th- they kick a ball. Yeah. <laughs> so 11 guys on each side. So uh, if it's Germany, the Netherlands, you call uh, the Netherlands because of the bicycle issue. And I'm just going to call Spain outright um, just to test the theory. And and we'll see. We'll see how we do. Uh, Well, anyway, so uh, I guess it ends this week, and that's great. In uh, in a related... uh, Don't look over here. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. This was a great story. And it's two stories in one. And I, just, I was like, wow. And it's a BBC story. A replica World Cup trophy seized by anti-drugs police in Colombia is made out of cocaine, lab tests have confirmed. The 36-centimeter 30, statue was found in a delivery crate, crate in Bogota at the Bogota airport. The crate was in an airmail warehouse waiting to be sent to an address in Spain. In another development, a submarine built by drug traffickers was found in Ecuador before its maiden voyage. The World Cup replica was made up of 11 kilos of the drug mixed with acetone or gasoline to make it moldable. I'm like, wait a minute. Right in between the story about a gold cup, world soccer cup trophy made of coke, they say, in another development, a submarine built by drug traffickers was found in Ecuador before its maiden voyage. I'm like, whoa. And so I look up this, uh, this drug sub. This is like a serious submarine. It's a 31-meter craft with air conditioning. Periscope, the whole deal. There's apparently quite a few of these subs. Yeah, but this is the first one that looks professional, and they built it apparently in a remote jungle environment. Come on. (laughs) It's a 100-foot boat, man, a 100-foot submarine. (laughs) And it's just like kind of muffled away. Hey, look at the World Cup made of Coke. Please don't think about submarines. (laughs) 
<laughs> Astounding to me. I love the World Cup made of Coke. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the point. That's, see, it works. Yeah. Let's just throw that. that that's interesting. <laughs> World Cup made of Coke. Man. <laughs> A submarine? What submarine? I don't know. Submarine. We can find out. Hey, t- kids, you can learn all about the World Cup made of Coke. So that's it for this week's news. Yeah, I think we're done. <laughs> Happy 4th of July, everybody. All right. So I got a couple of things here. I, I'm still following the Russian spies thing. I, I, I have a clip of the BBC report on it. Now, now found- on, on Thursday, we, uh, I think you, I think came up with the best theorem possible, which is this was uh, leaked out with the intent to embarrass Clinton, who was sitting with uh, Putin at the very moment the news broke. And this is part of the, uh, the, the, the spat between uh, the Clintontonians and the Obamanonians. Uh, although I will say Angelina Jolie's movie Salt is uh, coming out, and she's a hot Russian. Have you seen these Russian spies? By the way, these these babes are hot. That's well, a, I don't think they're that. The hot. redhead, come on, the redheads. She's she's cute. She, hello, hot enough. Hey, Boris. She shows a lot of cleavage. Yeah. Well, duh. Like <laughs> somebody pointed that out. Fox has a show on the weekends that doesn't that that tries to do the media assassination similar to our show. Oh really? Huh. It's called Media Matters or Media something or Media Attack. I can't remember the name. I have to look it up. Uh-huh. But it's it, unfortunately it's a five person show. So you uh-huh. have these you know, you got a host like pile jumping. It doesn't work. And you got too many guests. You got four guests, which is way too many for the modern era. I mean that's an old fashioned thing. And 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 they start bickering. <laughs> is that the Fox versus Media clip? Yeah, yeah, Fox versus Media clip. You can play that. This is a good example. This is actually, Oops, sorry. You got my this changes the subject a little bit because this talks about Petraeus. But the, I, I just took this little clip from this uh, woman who's on the show. Her name is uh, Andrea Tataros, who is a pretty good-looking uh, conservative writer. And she uh, she dropped a bomb in here. I said, what? It's and I looked it up, and yeah, apparently it's true, and you can figure out what it is when you play the clip. Fox Newswatch, uh, I'm informed. Newswatch, that's show. what it is. Here we go. They wrote, talking about the difference, the way the left-wing media covers. I mean, you have MoveOn.org that has scrubbed its site of the Petraeus criticisms that it had in 2007. None of that was covered. It was very, very different from the way that they covered it uh, in 2007 when he came up to give his report and Hillary Clinton was grilling him. I mean, the media was, was just probing him. And- yeah, you, you sent me that link and I put it in the show notes. It's under uh, Ministry of Truth. It's right, because they did the whole ad with uh, General Betrayus. Betrayus. Right? right, and so they took that off their site? Yeah. <laughs> it's them and AP, man. They, they, they are good bedfellows, oh, wait, aren't wait, they? What are we going to do now? Our man oh. Obama's in, we, and he thinks he's a good guy. Well, get rid of that old stuff. <laughs> I don't want anybody knowing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that it's it's like it's so it's so funny. It's so funny the way history gets rewritten. On the internet, it's cool because we've got archive.org and uh, some, yeah, you, some you Google know, cache. Been, even though it's cool for us and our listeners because you know we we do the the, the trackbacks. But if I hadn't just, I wouldn't have even known this if it she didn't just happen to casually mention it. Right. But I did look it up, and yeah, apparently they they did uh, scrub it. So. Uh, Wait, but the other thing, the, the other news item besides the betrayist stuff. Yeah, the Russian spies. Is the Russian spies. Play this, and this is, a, this is a BBC report on it. And I still, to this day, it's like, this is the, can anybody listen to this and not laugh out loud? I mean, 
give me a break. And this the is way- a BBC? Yeah, BBC. It's spies. One of the suspects worked at this travel agency in Virginia and helped tourists plan trips to Russia. Like the others, he used a variety of clandestine techniques, including exchanging money or information by brushing past each other in public places, hiding secret messages with codes and even invisible ink, and exchanging information by wireless network. Ooh, you hear the way the guy says it? Yeah. Ooh. Oh, wait, listen. Invisible ink. <laughs> the, fir- the, first one, the first one is the best. Yeah. Exchanging money or information by money or information. Brushing past Br- each other in. I brushed past him. Public places, hiding secret messages uh, with hiding secret messages. Codes and even invisible ink, <laughs> and exchanging information by wireless network. Invisible. Ink. <laughs> All you have to do is go into a closed IRC chat room. Yeah, really. <laughs> type anything so you want. Funny. No one's getting in there. That is so funny. Invisible ink, I tell you. I, I'm wireless you. networks. Ooh, what could that possibly be? Ooh, a Wi-Fi. Yeah, I'm telling you that this this is this goes beyond the Clintonian, uh, Obamanonian uh, fracas. This is uh, this is promotion for Angelina Jolie's movie. And maybe Cubby Broccoli's got something. Uh, the the uh, wait, didn't he die? Uh, maybe there's a new James Bond coming out or something. It's yeah, got, no, it, this is you're probably right because every we've noticed this, and if people who've listened to the show like the 25 percent <clears throat> that's listened since day one have noticed that we've found a connection between a lot of these 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 ridiculous news stories like this one and a media event that happened shortly thereafter, like yes. a movie release. Exactly. I mean, I remember when that Mothman movie came out. There was so much chatter on the talk shows about the Mothman, which was this creature <laughs> that supposedly pops up here and there around the country. And they were playing all this stuff straight, and then this movie comes out. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing. And, then, of course, now the latest thing going on is that now it turns out that those those two clowns that, that barged in supposedly into the Obama party, the Salafis. Yeah. They had already, apparently the woman had already been put into the Housewives of D.C. And they shot the pilot before, yeah. like either on that same day or, yeah. or the day before. No, we, we reported that. We reported yeah. that the first time it happened. We, we yeah, already had that. coming out now, finally. Yeah, or as we say. Coincidence? I think not. And so, you know, the, the, to play the public with news items that are just part of the, you know, they always talk about the military-industrial complex. It's obviously a, mir- a, a military uh, entertainment industry <laughs> yeah. complex of some sort, or government entertainment industry yeah, you're short, complex. You're shortchanging it by saying military-industrial complex. Yeah. complex. It's the, the, the military ministry of truth complex. Whatever. And, um, you know, I went to school in West Virginia, and uh, you follow West Virginia. You follow their sports, right, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. So um, when I was in West Virginia in the, the early, very early 80s, um, Senator Byrd was not loved. A lot of people just hated him. And yeah, I was in a very small school at the time in Salem, West Virginia. And uh, so, you know, there was more off-campus activity than on-campus activity. And it really was, you know, and this is kind of a, a good old boy state, if you will. Uh, lovely, lovely state, by the way. But I, I don't, there was no love for Senator Byrd. For a number of reasons. So I, I know a little bit about the guy's background. And of course, he passed away. A couple interesting things of note. Um, C-SPAN was actually turning off cameras uh, during his, uh, what do you call that? Uh, his stay in, 
in Capitol Hill. They put they had the body up there, right? They had his uh, his body laying in state. Yeah. And uh, so, first of all, C-SPAN was turning off cameras. So well, they c- made a big deal out of this guy's death because he was a Democrat. There's similar people that were Republicans that from the same kind of areas. They would downplay their uh, situation. I well, have a Senator Byrd story, too. Well, let me uh, play a little clip for you um, from his uh, one of the many eulogies. And this was on C-SPAN. Uh, President Bill Clinton uh, had the following to say, which, first of all, and as you listen to it, I thought, why bring it up? And then, second of all, I don't think he's being truthful. There are a lot of people who wrote these eulogies for Senator Byrd in the newspapers, and I read a bunch of them, and they mentioned that he once had a fleeting association with a Ku Klux Klan, and what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. He was a country boy from the hills and hollows of West Virginia. He was trying to get elected. And maybe he did something he shouldn't have done, and he spent the rest of his life making it up. And that's what a good person does. There are no perfect people. There are certainly no perfect politicians. So, I'm like, first of all, why bring this up? You know, why say that? And second of all, wasn't he like a grand pooba? <laughs> it wasn't like a fleeting association. He was a recruiter. He was like the owl or something like that. He was actually an actual recruiter for uh, for the KKK. Yeah, some I don't know. And what is this? I mean, that's like scrubbing um, moveon.org. It's like, huh? Yeah. Why even bring it up? Why even say it at all? I don't know. That, it, 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 it's for some reason, you know, Clinton's got a, a hidden agendas constantly. We have no idea. It was obviously for some reason or other. Somebody maybe a fleeting, a fleeting association. Well, uh, Mimi came up with an interesting. She did some research on this guy and came, or ran across this piece. He had a gimmick. He apparently was interviewed about this some long time ago, and it's never come up. Never comes up in the main conversation. Is for one thing, how did this guy stay in office for so long? Well, apparently, he, he according to him. His big advantage was that he could get into these, you know, all these civic meetings, anything he wanted to do. In other words, if you did a lot of these groups like the, you know, these organizations, whether it's a Rotary or the Kiwanis or women's, various women's groups, they, they, they don't want to hear some guy stumping for, you know, to come in and tell them to vote for him because they, you know, they've got other things to do. But he could always get into any meeting he wanted to to push himself because apparently he was a world-class fiddle player. <laughs> really? <laughs> hey, come and play the fiddle for us. Really? So he's like, it's a, con- a free concert. Huh. I don't know if this is bullcrap or not, but I'll tell you. But 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 the concept is fantastic. If you are like a performer that can just do great stuff that people would love to see, because you're in West Virginia, there's not a lot of entertainment going through there except local stuff. But if you're that good, and the fiddle, by the way, is a, is a, amazing when somebody knows how to play it right. Yeah, like Charlie Daniels. Yeah, I mean, you just you could listen to it forever. Just amazing. And so he apparently he could like, oh, you're going to come and you're going to play the fiddle. And so he played the fiddle, and then he pushed himself. He vote for me, and you get another fiddle concert next year. <laughs> so he'd be so he just kept getting reelected because he was in you know basically uh, it was just kind of like a bribe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how else do you stay in office that long? You have to have some that's, gimmick. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. 
There's I mean, a, a lot of people have, you know, I mean, Obama got in because he's got a gimmick. He has the ability to do public, you know, serious public speaking that's yeah. entertaining. It's entertaining it's because extremely it's extremely entertaining. He, he delivers, he delivers a line it, like no one else. It, and that's a tough thing to do because that Obama, and I still think he's on the border. Oh, he's on the border of being a boring guy, like you know, a John Kerry type of speaker. He's, and if you listen to these old clips of him where he starts to ramble, it's he's a terrible. And so he's always on the border of being, you know, just going over the top and being horrible to listen to. So it's a very fine line. And there. Clinton had his saxophone. Right. Clinton had a saxophone. Uh, interesting. And uh, Reagan uh, was a great actor. You, know, you looked at him, you went like, let's do this one for the Gipper. That's cool. Well, also, he was a, a TV and movie star, and so he yes. would always be welcome in, in you know, whatever wherever venue he wanted to go to. Because people always wanted, you know, if it's like Schwarzenegger. You know, he could pretty much go anywhere he wants to. If, if there's a big meeting and he wants to be part of it, you you. Don't say no. Hey, there's a clip I want to play at the end of today's show, and I want to play just a little bit of it for you now so you can, because I think that this is really worthy of an end clip, not because it's some great political statement, but uh, the White House now has a reality show. Were you aware of this? No. Yeah, it's called West Wing Week. <laughs> it's a reality show. Where's it, where's it, where are they pro posting it? It's on the whitehouse.gov. <laughs> Let me, it's not on NBC. No, hold on. Well, it can be. Hey, listen. All right, Ashley. That's what we're going for. West Wing Week. Welcome to the West Wing Week, your guide to everything that's happening at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. But first, a brief message from foodsafety.gov. <laughs> Hello, I'm Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack. Monsanto. This summer, do your best to keep food out of the danger zone. Keep whole food cold. Below 40 degrees and hot foods hot. By cooking thoroughly and serving right away. This week, June 25th to July 1st, or Home of the Kringle. On Friday morning, June 25th, President Obama hey, you made a statement like on the South Driveway about the Wall Street reform bill currently making its way so, through Congress. So they do, there's a, a little boring piece of him now, but it's, it's, they've, done it, they've done really short bits. It's all this exclusive behind-the-scenes footage. You've got to listen to, the, to the, G, the G8, G20 part, which is coming right up. It, it, it's astounding. They've put together the President's Week into a reality show with graphics, sound effects. The President left for Muskoka, Ontario for the G8 Summit the to address now. a range of global issues. Upon arrival, he was greeted by Canadian Prime Minister Harper, and the delegations immediately got down to important business at hand, discussing out. economic issues such as global development and a need for greater accountability. Yay. On Saturday, June 26th, the G8 summit took on some issues of international security, including discussions about Iran, North Korea, and the it. situation in Afghanistan. President Obama then traveled to stormy Toronto for the G20, where he highlighted another area of international cooperation by giving a ride to newly elected Prime Minister of the UK, David Cameron. <laughs> the President ride. then spent the afternoon in bilateral meetings. Mr. President, may I please introduce His Excellency, the President of the Republic of Korea. How are you? Affirming our alliance with South Korea, strengthening our relationship with China, and taking time to settle up on a bet with Prime Minister Cameron about the US-UK World Cup soccer match. Uh, and it just goes on and on and on, and they're exchanging beers, and then he's watching the World Cup, and it's just like, it's a complete reality show. It's, it's eight minutes. Wow. So we play that at the end of the show? Yeah, definitely. It's it's and it's got graphics and you heard the the music, right? The 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 heavy produced music over Tom Vilsack, the uh, Monsanto shill. Yeah. Telling us to, you know, refrigerate our food. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
<laughs> and I'm just like, wow, it just blew me away. I'm like, oh my God, they're, they're really, they're really going for it. Hmm. Fascinating stuff. It's, a, it's the ministry of truth. Oh, totally. And this, of course, all masks what happened uh, two nights ago, Friday night. There was a procedural vote. It's funny, we probably didn't see this on the news. Uh, as a part of the emergency war supplemental bill, this was the, uh, so the cover is uh, the president had asked for $30 billion in additional funds, which of course we don't have anyway. And uh, as, a, uh, as an attachment, kind of like an email attachment, I guess, uh, a document that deemed as passed a $1.12 trillion budget <laughs> for fiscal year 2011. And this passed, 215 to 210, no Republicans voting. Uh, so we, we now have like a, a budget, but we didn't actually put, have a vote on a budget. I, I don't get it. It's like they just attached, deemed as passed. Deemed as passed. They, so it's, I guess it's, uh, you know, pork. What do you call it? Uh, oh yeah. There's all kinds of crap in there. Pork and earmarks. Yeah. And earmark. It's an earmark. This and that. But it's a $1.12 trillion budget. The budget for the United States. Yeah. For, for fiscal year 2011. Yeah. And it's deemed as passed. <laughs> it's passed. What? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> when you own the Congress like that, I think this, that's where you can rubber stamp anything you want. Right. Then, but then, then we have all these big charades and, and shows about... Uh, ooh, charades. Charades is good. It's, 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 <laughs> it's the English pronunciation of charade. Charade. It's a charade. Hey, it's going on the Milky Way. Um, no, not even close. Yeah, I know. I can't. I, it hurts me even to try and do it. So anyway, so we're royally screwed on that. Yeah, well, we're royally screwed anyway. I mean, the economy thing is, is you know, right now the market's, you know, kind of tailing off. And oh, are we like at 9,700 or something last time I looked? Yeah, well, it's a high nines of some sort. But whatever the case, the uh, we have... Um, you know, two people now that have predicted at the end of the world, as we know it, uh, Harry Dent believes that the stock market will crash and will go into a full-fledged depression in August. Wow. And then that character from uh, the New York to Krugman, that weird-looking guy uh, from the New York Times, pretty much says the same thing. Oh, yeah. the uh... Unless we spend t- the Nobel Prize winner. Yeah, but I see. I liked Krugman until I heard him spouting all these inaccuracies about Wilders. I'm like, eh. you know, or it wasn't even all that inaccurate, but it was well, he's enough. A, Krugman is a is another planted. Uh, if I hear that that media news that that we talked about a few minutes ago, that uh, Fox Media Watch. Yeah, one of the people on there is Judith Miller. Who's uh, Judith Miller? Judith Miller was the was the CIA plant. Well, we don't know, but she was. A, to me, she looked like the CIA plant at the uh, New York Times who wrote about the yellow cake. Oh. And, you know, kind the of... The non-existent yellow cake. Right. right. And uh, she was, like, you know, promoting uh, whatever, the, the Iraq war agenda. Another piece of news that, um, honestly, I, I didn't even bring it up two shows in a row, but I feel that I should at least make mention of the fact that the United Nations, and I have a link to their official document at UN.org, uh, in the show notes at noagendashow.com, have called for uh, an alternative cu- currency as the world currency. The dollar should not be it. They've called for SDRs once again, the uh, special drawing rights. Um, 
and which would be based upon, uh, I guess, a basket of uh, of currencies, including the dollar. And as far as I can tell, everyone seems to be all for it, which is kind of yeah. is the well, end of the sovereignty of our of our dollar. But what was more astounding is I got a picture from one of our producers in, I think, Gitmo Nation, well, somewhere in the United States of Europe. And uh, she, her husband had a plane ticket. And on the back of the plane ticket, it had like the liability uh, clauses. And uh, so if there's, you know, a loss of life, loss of limb, et cetera, and the amounts were listed in SDRs. So, huh. so not euros or dollars or anything, but SDRs. Like, you know, if you lose an arm, it's 2,000 SDRs. I'm like, well, that's interesting. So this must be some, I mean, these liability clauses typically come from uh, governmental bodies. They're all kind of fixed. Uh, so one can only presume that that is an EU um, statement. And it's now on, everyone, you should, if you're flying in the uh, United States of Europe, uh, check the back of your ticket and let me know if if all the airlines are doing this, if they're all listing their liability amounts in SDRs, because that's kind of de facto it, right? Then you're just kind of saying, hey, this is the money that we're basing it on, an SDR, a sidr. Hey, can I, hey, man, can, you, can I hit you up for 10 sitters? What are we so going to call that like, thing? Well, we've been trying to follow this since its inception, and, you know, <laughs> the, the Amero is another thing that we have to be concerned about. Right, but I haven't seen the Amero actually printed on a ticket anywhere. This is, this is going a little bit further. Yeah. And, but it's not catchy. Amero, at least, you know, I can live with an Amero. You know, hey, man, give me five Ameros. But an SDR, it's too many uh, syllables. Yeah, doesn't need sound to, right. We need to come up with some slang for it. Sitter. Sitter. Well, you know, we don't see, unfortunately, we don't see tickets much anymore. So I, I, I think it was the, on the boarding pass. Well, I, I, well, I, I have a boarding I, pass right now, which I have here, and there's nothing on here. About yeah, but not from Europe. Any sort. Not from Europe. It was Ryanair, I believe. Ryanair. Yeah. I don't know. No. I have the picture, so I don't, think, right. I don't think it's doctored in any way. But it does, uh, it does kind of give you uh, food for thought. And uh, in the uh, United States of Europe now, the, uh, there, there's a lot of talk from uh, top economists. Yeah, there's a huge scandal with the central bank. Uh, and uh, th- th- I mean, the, the whole thing is about, I, I think Europe is, is indeed about to crash really, really hard um, because they're now you know, in the same type of banking crisis that we saw in 2008 here, which of course is all just, it's imaginary. It's just a bunch of numbers, <laughs> digits and computers everywhere. But of course, all these countries are now bankrupt. And um, the talk now is that it would take at least 2 trillion euros to settle the entire banking system in uh, in the United States of Europe. And of course, they- Yeah, but it wouldn't do, it, it would settle it. It would, it would zero things out, but it wouldn't help the situation. Well, no, of course it wouldn't help the situation. And that 2 trillion is only going to Citibank and Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan. I mean, it's not going anywhere else but to bankers because I guess their payments on their boats are due. That's how they come up with the number. Hey man, how much do you owe? Uh, all right, well, let's put this number together. Let's go get some cash. Those idiots over there. But the whole thing is, isn't it crazy? I, mean, I just woke up this morning. I was thinking, but it's just, it's crazy. It's just numbers. You know, a bank is insolvent. What does it mean? Who cares? Let's start over. Maybe, maybe the SDR is a good thing. Maybe, uh, maybe it should start all over. I don't think over. so. <laughs> I'm just trying to play all sides of the table. It just doesn't, uh, the whole thing, this situation is just, it's just a bad situation. And it, it, let's face reality. The whole thing boils down to the fact that China has 
taken over the manufacturing of the most things in the world, except for, you know, major things, even though they probably do outsource a lot of that to China too, you know, airplanes or airplane parts. And it's like, uh, it's just destroyed everything because there's no jobs. You know, you can't compete against the guy who runs Foxconn. I mean, right. that place, I mean, how do you, we were talking about this the other day. I was just talking about it again. It's, how does this guy, the head of Foxconn, whose name eludes me, but it's around, uh, how does a guy manage a factory? For, first, there's a factory town of 400,000 people, in the, and one of the big factories within the factory town, the company town, has 250,000 people working there. Yeah. How do you manage 250,000 people working in a factory? Well, the guy's a genius. Yeah. And he started an with an operational a- genius. And there's a bunch of these guys in China. How did this come about? Is it for years of communism taught him to, you know, be able to manage large amounts of people in some way? Maybe it's a, an onerous way. We don't know. I would never work there. But the fact of the matter is they can manage huge amounts of people. So you get this, this very interesting leveraging that makes things very cheap. Well, I think it's uh, hum- it's human resource management, John. That's what it is. And when people actually are feel like they're human resources and they do what they're told and they step in line. So yeah, I think it does have to do with, with centuries of the way people have been manipulated and treated and yeah, you know, then, and, and they had, you know, the whole respect thing, uh, you know, respect for people of uh, stature. Yeah. I think it has a lot, <laughs> right. a lot to do with hierarchical it. respect. Yeah. So in that case, you know, America's completely doomed. We have no respect for for our politicians. No respect for nothing. For our leaders. No, we got respect for the mighty gun. Yeah, well, we're good at blowing things up. That's our big mm-hmm. claim to fame. There's a uh, there's a, a new move, and uh, and I and I want you to think about this one. This is actually an AP report. You know, AP that uh, truly is the uh, the megaphone of the Ministry of Truth. Um, there's a new police siren, but it does something more than just make noise. And, uh, and I thought the report was interesting because of course they get all the right people to, uh, provide the quotes, uh, on screen. Uh, hold on a second. My video will start in 14 seconds. I found this, uh, sound of this thing to be annoying. And I think it's, uh, disturbing for people who happen to live in neighborhoods where the siren is used. Well, but it's, but, but it's more than just sound. And that's kind of the whole point. Here we go. Come on, YouTube, switch over. We've already seen the pre-roll. Tulsa, Oklahoma police are among a growing number of departments using a powerful new siren. It can be heard and felt. He's paying attention. Were you startled at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was like, what the heck? <laughs> Manufacturer says the rumbler represents a new type of emergency signal. I like it. I've uh, used, it a, used it this morning, used it yesterday, and... Um, uh, in one or two cases, it was obvious that the the uh, the rumbler was what brought the the attention to the driver. Now listen to this guy. Do you notice anything different about that siren? Yes, ma'am. It's what a do you it's a deeper tone than uh, the normal one. The rumbler is designed for the era of the distracted driver. A little vibration in the in the seats in the car. I mean, not a big difference, but enough to know that they're back there. Okay, so he's got vibe. The guy is sitting on a cloth seat in his car, and he's feeling the vibration from this siren. Okay, this is just steps away from a pain weapon. I mean, what yep. frequency is this thing at? Well, if you you start feeling stuff in the sub uh, subsonic. Uh 
range below 40 cycles. It's got to be low. It's got to be way low. It could be 20. You can get 20 cycles. You, 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 with, with these, uh, in, with these uh, devices, you can get a 20-cycle note out, uh, out, of the, uh, out of a horn, bass horn of some sort or something. I don't know how they're doing it, but, yeah, it's doable. It, it's just a, it's an interim step to a pain weapon. The next, the next one will be, you know, the cop pulls up behind you, he flips, on the, he flips the switch, and you're just going to go, ah! No, I agree with that, and that's exactly where this is headed. I'm very, I, I don't like this kind of thing at all. And, of course, they have to always have some buzz term, a meme, uh, to, to rationalize it. And this one, if you, you listen carefully within that clip, it was the air, era of the distracted, distracted driver. Distracted driver, yes. Yeah, we are yeah. now in the era, and so you need this. So you, in other words, this is the rationale for this thing, uh, because we're in the new era, yes. the new era of it. This is the dawning of the age of distracted driver. So, uh, so that's, well, that's the, oh, okay, well, it's the distracted driver era. Could it be a form and, of ELF, like, uh, like a real extremely low frequency, even way below the the. the well, you have cycles? to, if you get too, too, Far down uh, with a lot of amp uh, amplification, it actually just starts to destroy body organs. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's where we're headed, folks. Happy Fourth of July, the guy's liver. Happy Fourth of July. <laughs> let's let's target. Yeah, let's target an arm. Uh, I'll whack the guy's arm off. Not a problem. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Why did you shoot the guy? So this is the type of. Uh, of information we uh, we like to talk about on this program. And I want to play a clip, although it's not a new clip, from a program that a lot of people really respect a lot. In fact, uh, often when I talk about uh, certain types of things that seem wild and outrageous, uh, people often point me to uh, this program called Mythbusters, uh, which uh, Mythbusters, is, is it now made in the, it's made in the States, right? Uh, I, I used to watch it on uh, It's in, made in over in Alameda, I think. Right. But Mythbusters, everyone's like, oh, Mythbusters, uh, that myth has been busted. And they do a lot of different things. And uh, although this is uh, an older clip, I think from 2006, it's very important and it leads into why we don't have any sponsors on this program. So I just wanted to play a minute of this as Adam Savage answers questions about the uh, RFID See, episode. And, you know, testing things for yourself, not assuming that the manufacturer is correct. Um, the one I wish you would revisit more is uh, RFID. Now I know that. Does Carrie still have the RFID oh. tag in her arm? Dude, the RFID thing. Yeah. Why did you not? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm not. You. It, it's, it's just it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I t- discovered. Here's what happened. Here's here's what happened. I'm not sure how much of the story I'm allowed to tell, but I'll tell you what I know. Um, so, so note right there. He says I'm not. I'm not. How sure how much I'm allowed to tell because they apparently were asked to do an R, you know, to debunk the myth of the chip in the arm, the RFID chip, and we're all going to be chipped around the globe. And uh, so he's already like, oh, dude. <laughs> we, were, we were going to do RFID, and we, uh, on several levels, you know, how hackable, how reliable, how trackable, et cetera, et cetera. And we, uh, one of our researchers called up Texas Instruments, and they arranged a conference call between, uh, I think, Tori and the head producer over there for the other team, Linda Wolkovich, and uh, one of the technicians at Texas Instruments. This was the, we're supposed to have a conference call to talk about the technology on like Tuesday at 10 a.m. And Tuesday at 10 a.m., Linda and Tori get on the phone and they, uh, Texas Instruments comes on. 
<coughs> along with chief legal counsel for American Express, Visa, Discover. Right, so I don't think I have to tell you where this leads. Um, but the, uh, the story is, the story got cut. They're not even allowed to talk about it. And even before they cut the piece, they had uh, American Express, they had all the sponsors, the network, everyone's on. Oh, man, you can't do this. And, and this is the program. And listen to the adoring slaves in the audience who are laughing and clapping and cheering about the, about, well, basically, you can call it, it's not really censorship because the government's not censoring it. But um, this is exactly why we have a, a listener-supported show and why we don't have sponsors or a network we have to adhere to because we couldn't talk about half the thing. Could you imagine, John, uh, we're going to do the piece on, uh, on uh, Clinton talking about the KKK. Imagine that meeting. <laughs> the meeting, you know, people don't realize. You always have to remember the two of us have got a, really a lot of experience in the media at all kinds of levels. And uh, I less in, in terms of meetings, Adam's probably the most experienced. <laughs> yes, I am experienced in meetings. And he, uh, but these meetings, I've been to these meetings, and you get these meetings, and there's a, there's some guys they don't really care about anything, but the, the you know they care about their income, being they more than they care about the quality of their shows, and their income is determined by these advertisers who who throw their weight around at every chance they get. I mean, advertisers love to throw their weight around. It makes them feel great, especially some of these lackeys that work in some of these uh, either agencies or for some of these companies, and they like to lord it over people. And a lot of stuff just simply gets censored because it's it's going to offend somebody or we're going to kill our our income is going to go down or whatever. And these meetings go on and on and on about this. And this is obviously what happened here. They killed a whole segment on the hackability of an RFID chip and probably we're going to do some other stuff that was going to upset somebody at American Express and golly American Express gives us so much money that you know we can't have that and these other guys in Texas Instruments is a sponsor they're supporting PBS down in Texas we can't you know they don't want this revealed so they don't want to reveal the public doesn't find out and everybody's happy <laughs> yeah and uh, we can't live that way. It wouldn't be worth doing the show. In no, fact, it's not. The show is not. We've decided that we're going to be 100% listener support. We're not taking any underwriting money or anything, even though I had considered that early on. But now I realize that we, we can do, you know, we can do with more listeners. We can get by more than effortlessly with listener support. And I think it, it makes the listeners more engaged, too, because they know they're picking up the tab on the show. And uh, we, you know, and so every week we have to, we do take a break for this one thing, which is to ask you to go to noagendashow.com or dvorak.org slash NA or channeldvorak.com slash NA and contribute, uh, become a producer or become a, an executive producer or do, or become a knight, which is what we really, really like the most. And they join an exclusive club. We ha do have a, we don't have a lot of, uh, contributors in the big way this week. We want to also remind you that we really appreciate the $5 subscriptions. Yeah, and, uh, and the $30 subscriptions as well. And it's lucky $30 subscription, which is fantastic. And so anyone giving those things, you don't get called out. But believe me, we, we very much appreciate it. But let's talk about... Uh, and <laughs> of course, we start off with a name that is a toughie. Wait, 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 wait. No, you're not. Uh, read oh, the note. Right. I read don't the use note. that name. Read I keep the, the name off the air, which read I couldn't note. pronounce anyway. I was so waiting to catch a $74 donation based on the 4th of July, 7 4. And he really wants us to give a plug to the 
cannabisagenda.com. <laughs> you know, no agenda. This is Cannabis Agenda. You can only imagine what the show is about. It's on iTunes as well. So Cannabis Agenda is uh, obviously promoting uh, the legalization of marijuana, I hope, <laughs> and uh, which we talk about on this show quite a bit. Then, you know, again, you don't get much discussion about these sorts of topics on anybody else's show. You're just not going to hear in-depth discussion and, and deconstruction and, and, and finding interesting articles that are obviously propaganda pieces that have been planted by public relations agencies that are trying to keep it so we don't get the marijuana initiative passed in California. And I think Adam is betting that it won't pass. I'm betting that it will. Okay. Well, it's, it's a fair bet. I, I think it will never pass. C.G. Mayer, Mount Gambier, South Australia. I thought this was last week's guy. No, but no, not, no. I, I haven't read this one. Sense. He says, I think Adam's something or other. No, chemtrails, uh, yes. And John's potholes cancel each other out. Potholes is a lot different than chemtrails. Can, can, I just, can I just say one thing, John? Okay. This is really important. Because I, I started an initiative on the daily source code. And it's very simple. But you know, I'll, you know what? I'll hold that until right. I'm not going to mention the chem word. But uh, let's finish up the donations, and I'll tell you what my initiative is. But I'm serious Olsen. about this. Eslov, Sweden. Oh, nice. Uh, $50. One thing you can sure how to make over there, Gitmo Nation East is some really has some great rock music. Yeah, this is a donation based upon uh, Daily Source Code 837. I've been doing three hours worth of programming these days on Fridays. Three hours worth of great music, uh, some fun talk, great uh, taking requests live from the chat room and uh, of course that's also listener supported and uh, and I'm asking people to uh, donate to no agenda well he did yes now uh, and then finally we have of course Travis Wynn's uh, knighthood layaway came in and uh, Jeffrey Lunt yeah he was our uh, PR associate he that's his $50 he's the Evanston guy we mentioned earlier Evanston Illinois so that's it for this week go to noagendashow.com dvorak.org slash na we could kick this up a little bit if you don't mind and channel dvorak.com slash na and uh, if you don't want to do a bigger donation take out one of the subscriptions the five buck one or the 30 buck one and so now uh, people ask for a ten dollar one i need to do i'm uh, i'm i'm pinging uh, eric the shill in the in the chat here and he's not telling me if uh, if lawrence is a knight or not i i, I think we should give uh, lawrence franchek the benefit of the doubt yeah Okay, so I, I, did, did did you get feed him turkey or something? Did he fall asleep? Is that what happened to Eric? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what where he is. He may be uh, having kids uh, pulling on his leg. Could you uh, unsheath for a moment? Yeah, there yeah, he is. That's there. good. Look at this. New. Lawrence Franchek, please step forward, and I hope I'm pronouncing your name properly. We are giving you the benefit of the doubt in your value-for-value value proposition to become a knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. We're sure that your donation to your girlfriend counts as an earlier uh, contribution. So, for the total of at least $1,000, we are now proudly pronouncing you Sir Lawrence Franchek, Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. Come on over, buddy. Enjoy our hookers and blow. And your night ring is uh, coming soon, right, John? Absolutely. I want to mention something that came up in the uh, it came in the conversation. I'd like to remind people about this knighthood thing. It was some years ago when I was 
looking, somebody got a knighthood, you know, some American from the Queen. And I said, you know, why don't we have knighthoods, you know, in this, well, anyone can become, can tell, you, you just had set up some, some requirements and you can knight people. Why not? I think you should use the title, sir. Yes. In fact, uh, Lawrence can now actually say, Sir Lawrence Franchek, executive producer of No Agenda Show 214. Yeah. Of the No Agenda, the, the Knights of the No Agenda Roundtable. Absolutely. I, you know, I would it. like to see the point to show how corrupt the governments are around the world to the point where it becomes illegal to do what we're doing. You know, you can, you can buy uh, titles. You can buy uh, royal titles. There's, a, there's quite a market in that. You can become a prince or a... Uh, a viscount or uh, a baron. These are all for sale. And, and the way it works is there's usually a baroness or a princess somewhere and you pay your, you know, 10, maybe 50 grand. And then she comes over and then you get married and divorced in a day and you got your title. It's all, and it's real. It's official. I've looked into this. <laughs> I found I found the price to be you a little steep. Doing it? I found the price to be a little steep. <laughs> it's like, hey, price is steep. It's I want a, a blowjob at least if I'm going to do, do all that. <laughs> no, no, the princess will not do that. <laughs> so, um, so there's something I've been noticing these strange contrails, John. And I say strange. We're not going to talk about this. Yeah, no, no. I'm not talking about chemtrails. I'm talking about contrails. I just want to. Uh, this is falls more under trains good, planes bad. It's a very simple. Oh, okay, all right, okay, all right, all right. Just bear with me for a second. You know, I've been in aviation for for a little while now, and when you fly uh, and you fly above, oh, say twenty. Well, it's it's different in different airspaces, but usually above even six thousand feet. But certainly when you're at twenty five thousand feet or above, where um, let's say if you were flying a jet, you might produce some contrails. Um, there are published routes, and you can buy these. You know, in fact, there is Google Map overlays, and uh, Jefferson is uh, is the company that published. They're the most famous for publishing these routes, and it's it's like an airway in the sky. And you can't just like fly around wherever you want to go, right? Um, and if you were to overlay these uh, air routes with the contrails that I see, they don't match up. And, and it's, it's just bothering me a little bit. And uh, so I've, I've asked uh, engineers out there and app developers to come up with an iPhone app and an Android app uh, where you can basically stand underneath one of these contrails. You know, the tic-tac-toe grid ones are the funniest uh, because, wow, I mean, if we really flew that close together on these air routes, we'd have a lot of mid-air collisions. Uh, you take a picture of it. And, uh, of course, you have to have GPS in your phone. And then we'll be able to upload that and overlay that uh, in a KML file underneath the published air routes. And, if anything, we should be able to ask the uh, FAA and, uh, and the, the uh, aviation authorities in every country why these aircraft are not flying uh, uh, according to the published and uh, allowable routes. I just thought that was kind of an interesting project. Makes what sense about military? They can fly anywhere they want. Really? And uh, if they uh, just crisscross through uh, published air routes, that's not dangerous. I mean, I'm, I, I, I not share the, the same sky. altitude. Oh, but they have to be at least twenty-five thousand feet or above in order to produce a contrail. So I'm just, I'm just saying, I find it interesting. Yeah, okay. that this... I think this app would be very popular amongst the criminally insane people that actually believe in this crap. You're calling me criminally insane? No, I, I said amongst the crap. No, I'm not. Well, okay. maybe. Let me think about it. Okay. All right, so that's all. That's I didn't all. mean to call you criminally insane. That's okay. That, but that's uh, it's noted. 
So anyway, okay, the app would be actually quite interesting. You could you definitely get some traction with it. Right. So instead of trying to prove some kind of conspiracy theory, I'm just interested as a concerned aviator uh, why people are not flying the published routes. I'm not, I don't have proof yet, but I'm sure with this app we can probably come up with proof that people aren't really flying the published routes and and if uh, and who is uh, I, I don't see that much crisscrossing. The only time I've ever seen that, and I think this is where this comes from with you, is over Amsterdam. I will say that I looked up once and it was like, holy crap. There was like crisscrosses every which way, but that's the airport. I think it's just the, the way they're just putting people in a, in a landing pattern. Okay. All right. Sure. I mean, I, I know a little bit about flying. I've never seen it over the San Francisco Bay Area, the big crisscrossing thing. Oh, wow. Okay. Whew. All right. I have. I have seen it. No. Okay. The tic-tac-toe bridge. You haven't seen yeah. it. No, I have actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually uh, have. No, uh-uh. yeah. Yeah, no, I actually uh, have. Hey, um, so while we're on the topic, because this is just an outstanding week, the PR companies have done a great job, in particular Hill and Knowlton. All aboard, train's good, plane's bad. Of course, I just pay, play that to give you nightmares. Um, this is phenomenal news, John. Uh, Siemens, who of course is the, uh, is the maker of many fine high-speed rail products, like those German uh, ice trains that yes. blow out the windows every once in a while. And as you know, the uh, former and the former head of Siemens uh, Train Services is now uh, in head of the California High Speed Rail Project. We uh, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Siemens is now setting up its own bank, frustrated that lenders won't lend to them. Oh, this is fantastic! Now they can get TARP money and all kinds. They can be a part of the system. They're actually connecting up to the to the mothership money supply. We need to know Agenda Bank. Yeah, hell yeah, so that we can, we, you know, all you have to do is have $1, and then you, you have 10 It's automatic. It's called fractional reserve lending. Uh, and so they're starting their own bank, and it's in the Financial Times. It's a, it's, a, it's a great, what a great idea. These guys are brilliant, I tell you. So um, just looking through um, some, of the, some of the stories, uh, many of them must be planted. There's just no other way. Uh, Deutsche Bahn is planning high-speed trains to southern France and the UK, <laughs> which uh, this is the, uh, the ice. Uh, I guess that's going to cut into some of the, uh, the airline uh, profits. Uh, Singapore on board with the program. Uh, they have a new ad campaign, Go Green with Smirt, SMRT, and they actually took uh, the, you know, the Twitter fail whale where you've got the whale being lifted on strings by little tweet birdies. So they have uh, a picture of the same blue and, the, and there's like butterflies lifting uh, trains and buses up and it's uh, better by train, better by, by bus. Let's clear the air. So they want uh, people to get out of planes and into trains and buses. Great campaign. I'm sure someone's going to win an award in con for that one. Uh, the New York Times now all of a sudden comes out with, uh, and this has to be a plant, uh, because it was, we read about this the minute uh, Cameron became prime minister. We read right there in his, uh, in his proclamation that he's not, he's not going to allow the, the third runway at Heathrow and no expansion. And now the New York Times is... Is like Britain curbing airport growth due to aid climate. Like, okay, Elizabeth Rosenthal, 
who wrote this article, who told what, you... What's the, what was the headline again? Britain curbing airport growth to aid climate. To aid climate? Yes, the, the climate needs aiding. In a bold, if lonely, environmental stand, Britain's coalition government has set out to curb the growth of what has been called binge flying. By ref- binge flying, there's a meme. Bin- oh, that's it. another meme. That's a good one. Yeah. Because, of course, we have binge drinking in the UK. Now it's binge flying. By refusing to build <laughs> what new... What is binge flying? Nobody binge flies. Yes, the oh, Britons God, are... Go the Britons are binging. Oh, I gotta go binge on flying. Oh man, I gotta go fly some more. I can't wait to sit in another easy jet. Oh, I need more. I need more. That's that's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Um, it, bold and lowly environmental and lonely environmental stand. The coalition is called uh, to curb the growth of what's been called binge flying by refusing to build new runways around London to accommodate more planes. Because they're bad. Trains are good. And of course, uh, we also know that they're building high-speed rail in the United Kingdom now. We need that. Forget the planes. No more binge flying for you. And there's this great article which uh, we can only... Why does England need high-speed rail? Where are they going? Where are you going to go? Manchester. Manchester. It's... it's, We already talked about it. Manchester? Yeah, that's for uh, goods. Why? It's for goods. It's not for people. It's for goods. Yes. I always, I always forget. Your eyes are good. Well, you, you, you taught me this. Uh, so yeah, I know. And I forget it. I can't remember my own theories. So there's a great article that I'd like everyone to read. It's under Trains Good, Planes Bad in the show notes, noagendashow.com. It's titled High Speed Rail as Religion, which is great. This kind of falls into the, the whole idea of global warming as a religion, etc. And there's a lot of great articles. It's, it's, it's too long to talk about here. However, um, the gist of this article does say that there is no evidence whatsoever that this high-speed rail will ever pay off. In fact, uh, they did a calculation. Um, how many, here it is, uh, how many people would have to travel and how frequently the, plane, the trains would have to run in order to actually make it profitable since each of these trains, these high-speed rail trains, can only really have about 300 people that have to run like every 30 minutes, uh, 24 hours a day. You know, there's just no evidence whatsoever that certainly the California HSR system will at all pay off. And it's, you know, it wouldn't even be scheduled to be done until 2035. Ah! If, if it would even make that. It's ridiculous. I think one of the impetus is, you know, it's quite possible that another way of pushing this train thing is to leave those potholes. (laughs) Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, the potholes (laughs) are there for a reason. And people, uh, even people who listen to the show regularly don't understand uh, or, or maybe misconstrue our news about trains as negativity. And part of it is, I mean, it's, there's just so much lying going on. We had to, a number of people have written these nasty notes to us saying, well, you don't get it. Yeah, there's nothing that would be better than high-speed rail. It would solve this problem and that problem and this problem and that problem. That's bull crap. It would still take, I could still drive faster than, unless this train never stops anywhere. And they always, you know, they're going to stop two or three places because a high-speed rail gutting down California. There's not going to, they're going to, there's going to be little towns that say, no, you have to stop. You know, pick up someone. Yeah, I mean, of course. Is- of course. Uh, just so you know, from uh, 680 News, Charlotte, North Carolina, a new United States-based study, no link, of course, shows a good transit system helps people to stay slim. 
How's that? <laughs> These guys are good, aren't work? they? These guys are so good. Researchers looked at 500 people in Charlotte, North Carolina before and after the city completed a light rail transit system, found the typical commuter who used the system to get to and from work lost an average of six and a half pounds over a year to a year and a half. In addition, those who used the light rail lines had an 81% lower risk of becoming obese. We're saved. This is ridiculous. This is what we call. This is getting. I think this is almost like testing the public's credibility or the the credulousness. I mean, you believe anything that these people tell you? Yeah, of course. It's that's what's so beautiful about this topic. That's why we have a jingle. It's because it it is phenomenally interesting to watch this unfold and. Hopefully, John, I really hope we live to be very, very old and we'll be in 20 years. We'll be doing this show uh, on Skype, (laughs) still on Skype. And uh, and we'll be saying, see, and there'll be no more planes flying. And uh, I can't I need to sell my plane. It's impossible. It's become so negative now. No one's even buying little planes. (laughs) I can't sell that. I have to give it away. They did have this. You know, the other thing that came up was the car plane. You know, the Terrafugia, which I have been following. Is uh, and I heard you talking about this. Uh, I think on uh, Tech Five, right? Uh, it's not a flying car. This uh, what I like about this is it's a rotable car. So instead of uh, no, a rotable plane, a rotable plane. Yeah. So instead of a, a car that flies, it's uh, basically a plane that can drive, and uh, it's it's a beautiful uh, piece of machinery. I've seen the test flights, and it, it looks great. I don't know how it handles, but it looked like it was doing pretty good. Um, and I, I, if I could afford it, I mean, they're like 200 grand. I mean, I would love to have one. And by the way, just because it falls into the light sport utility doesn't mean that you actually get a license after 20 hours. You can take the test after 20 hours. Even if you pass the test, you will not get insurance until you at least have hundreds of hours. So please don't worry that we're going to have a bunch of idiots flying around in rotable airplanes and, uh, and killing everybody. You know, that's just the minimum requirement to take the test is 20 hours for a light aircraft. You can't fly everywhere and do everything. And you certainly will not get insurance out of the box, which is the is the whole trick. Basically, it's the, it's the insurance you need uh, lots of time. We've and, been misled. Yes. You, gee, you think Because <laughs> I heard you literally reading one of these reports verbatim. I'm like, oh, geez, I got to set him straight on. that. I've been misled. Yes, you have by the media because it, it's the continuous you know, dream of flying cars. Like, oh, it's a flying car. It's, it's a rotable aircraft. They'll sell a few. Oh, it's, it's, I, wish, I wish I could afford it. It'd be great to have it in the garage. And it only needs 1,700 feet, which is still pretty lengthy, by the way. But, you know, you, and just to poof, take off, that'd be great. It's the biggest pain in the ass of having an aircraft is where to put it. And, and, and without a doubt, the aircraft is never where you are when you need it. That's one of those naughty things about aviation. Yeah, you have a nice little country home. Yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, you have an airstrip down the road, just jump in your plane, yeah. drive over to it, and take off. Well, you don't even need a, a. I mean, that if you have a country home, then you can have an airstrip wherever you want. Take off from the road. Well, I'm trying to see if uh, you had a couple more clips. Let's just do some of those. Well, since we're talking about these memes, everyone's trying. You know, these these various memes that are floating around. We overuse that word. Uh, that, you know, trying to promote one agenda or another. Play drunk boater. Hold on a second. Drunk. In fact, the new meme is meme. Just so you know. We're setting a trend. 
a deadly boat crash near the Statue of Liberty, and police say alcohol was involved. One man was killed, two others injured. When two boats collided, police say a 39-year-old man was out on the water with his wife and three young children. When their boat hit a smaller one, a man on that smaller boat was killed. Two others are in stable condition. Police busted the driver of the larger boat, charging him with vehicular manslaughter and operating a vessel while intoxicated. And a scary evacuation at sea. Yeah, so I think yeah. You know, I think most people on a boat are drunk. <laughs> Isn't that what you have a boat for? Yeah, to go out and drink beer? You know, it's funny. Um, I saw a news clip from Gitmo Nation Lowlands where they have now um, introduced the uh, interlock device. This is now a worldwide thing mm. for uh, drinking under the influence and this, uh, oh, it's a, it's funny. I wish it were in English, uh, but this woman who's the spokeshole for the, uh, for the, for the cops over there was dressed in a, you know, police uniform, and uh, you know they showed the demonstration of someone getting in the car and then blowing into the lock, and otherwise it won't start. And she's very, very clear to point out this is. She said this is not a gift, by the way. You pay for the installation, you pay for the training, you pay for the uh, for the monthly uh, download of the data. This is, this is big, big, big business. Very big business. And, of course, you pay for your lawyer, for the trial, for the court costs. Uh, and, and what is it based upon? Yeah, well, it's just thinking about driving. Just being drunk and having keys in your pocket, as we talked about on the last show, can get yeah. you a, a DUI con- conviction. Well, there's a, probably a, a split, uh, a revenue split with the local uh, authorities. We actually have, uh, I've noticed we have a number of DUI lawyers who are starting to donate to this show. We've got to watch what we're doing. <laughs> oh, we'll have them uh, do, do an interview with them on, on the Daily Source Code or something, and we'll put the best clips on the show. Oh, that's a good idea. But they, but they need to donate. That would be useful. <laughs> it would be handy. <laughs> but yeah, no, they're, they're, we could probably put together a fairly decent, we could almost do a special, you know, talking about some of these issues. And I think it's just a, it's just essentially municipal corruption because we're at the situation where all these little municipalities are overpaying all their staff so they can live it up and, and have nice retirement benefits. Uh, they have no tax money. They don't have enough tax money coming in, so they have to scam the public that supports them. And this is a method of scamming us. It's a scam. It was a scam when somebody's getting a DUI for sitting in a McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, with the keys like in his pocket. McDonald's burger with, with, while intoxicated. Yeah, the thought crime. Oh, you were thinking of uh, driving, so we're going to arrest you. I'd like to get more documentation on that happening. You know, it's probably one of those things that's happening everywhere. Nobody, you know, it's just no one's talking about it's it. It's like a local phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't talked about um, the oil cabal. And I just want, there was just one interesting clip that showed up on uh, CNN, which was a throwback to the Exxon Valdez. Or as this woman will say, Valdez, which immediately kind of discredits what she's saying. It's like, isn't Valdez? How come is she saying Valdez? Is it what is correct? Valdez? The Exxon. I don't know. Now that you mention it, I'm confused. Yeah, I'm, I'm confused too. Diagnose what the problems are because BP will not give them the names of the chemicals that are in the dispersants. However, we know that they're the same types of illnesses that um, people reported in Alaska. Now, 
the average lifespan of a person who did cleanup on the uh, Exxon Valdez is 51 years old. Almost all those people who did work on the Exxon Valdez are now dead. And BP still here once again is big oil, not giving the information to the doctors and the healthcare officials. A county nurse was not given permission to go onto the BP property when she finally did that. Um, the the people who work at BP who are coming to see her were only allowed to get band-aids and aspirin from her. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm poisoned. Here's a band-aid and some aspirin. Call me in the morning. <laughs> Oh man! And they were told that they only could go to the to the BP doctors if they wanted to get treated. President Obama touched on on the health issues in particular uh, in the Gulf today, and, and I want to play this. Listen. So far, uh, we have seen that on shore, uh, we are not seeing huge elevations in uh, uh, toxins in the air or in the water. Uh, but lie that may not be the case it sounds like obama uh, it is this is obama are actually doing the work and we've got to make sure that we are providing all the protections that are necessary do you think the administration is doing enough to help all right so uh, that is, by the way i found a web page that from valdez alaska and it's pronounced valdez yeah i don't know why she's saying valdez that that kind of destroys the whole kind of credibility factor there um, and then Anderson Cooper comes out and he's like, oh, my First Amendment rights are being violated. It's funny for him to say that. Anderson Vanderbilt Cooper. Uh, <laughs> they're really hammering uh, the administration now. When CNN does it, you know something's afoot, my friends. Whoa. Come on, Anderson Vanderbilt. Come on in, buddy. Tell us about it. Please. A new rule announced today backed by the force of law and the threat of fines and felony charges. A rule that will prevent reporters and photographers and anyone else from getting anywhere close to booms and oil-soaked wildlife and just about any place we need to be. By now you're probably familiar with cleanup crews stiff-arming the media, private security blocking cameras, ordinary workers clamming up, some not even saying who they're working for because they're afraid of losing their jobs. BP has said again and again that's not their policy, yet again and again it has happened. We've seen it. But that's BP. Now the government apparently is getting in on the act, despite what Admiral Thad Allen promised about transparency just nearly a month ago. Here's what he said back then. I have put out a written directive, and I can provide it for the record, that says the uh, media will have uninhibited access anywhere we're doing operations, except for two things, if it's a security or a safety problem. That is my policy. Uninhibited access unless it's a security or safety problem. Well, the Coast Guard today announced new rules keeping photographers and reporters and anyone else from coming within 65 feet of any response vessel or booms out on the water or on beaches. 65 feet. Now, in order to get closer, you have to get direct permission from the Coast Guard captain of the Port of New Orleans. You have to call up the guy. Ooh, we have to do some work. We got to call up the guy. <laughs> 65 feet isn't all that crazy. I mean, we can't have a bunch of Anderson Coopers running around. I mean, what is that? That's 20 yards. It's not all that bad. Is, is that crazy? Is that is that weird? Am I, well, am I, I don't know what they want. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I... You have to come within 20 yards of, of what? some Of a vessel. Of a vessel that's working trying to clean it up. That makes kind of sense to me. And if you want to come close, you got to call up the guy. 
Yeah, I think that's fine. Twenty yeah. yards is, is you. Can, hey, there's things called telephoto lenses. Yeah, but you know, so why is Anderson Cooper making such right a big deal? Nose with a good camera. Yeah, why is he making such a big deal of this? I think they're just out to get Obama. That's exactly what I was thinking. You know, and and people say, oh, his first, his first Amendment rights have been suspended. Oh, please, twenty yards. It was, you know, it, it makes sense. We don't want to. It can still float in the water and just 20 yards away. I, I don't think that's a huge problem. You know, what, you know, it's hard to cover it up at this point. <laughs> it's pretty obvious what's going on. Uh, huh. Just thought that was kind of interesting. It, it does seem to be more of, the, uh, more of the Obama hate that's taking place. Well, you know, the, Obama's brought it on himself. He's bypassed the media. He made all these promises, you know, take it to the bank. He hasn't done really half. You can take that to the bank. He wants to, uh, you know, he can't get us out of these idiotic wars. And, you know, now they're big buddies with the general Betrayus. (laughs) Yes. And in fact, there is a clip, which I sent you the copy of, where Obama goes on and on. He's like, he's in a congressional hearing when he was a senator. And he's reading Betrayus, the, uh, the riot act. And it's, he's supposed to be asking questions. He takes up his entire time berating Betrayus and telling him, you know, what, you know you, you're know, doing the best you can, but this is bull crap. And it has no effect. Well, I, 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 I got on. the next thing you know. Yeah, I got the clip right here. I'm going to just play a little bit of it. Go to the four-minute point. This four minutes yeah, into making it. making that assessment, and it makes it very difficult then for those of us who would like to join with you in a bipartisan way to figure out how to best move forward uh, to extricate this from the day-to-day politics that infects Washington. So I just wanted to get that on the record. Final stipulation. Uh, I think the surge has had some impact, as I suggested. I would hope it would, given the the sacrifices and loss that have been made. I would argue that the impact has been relatively modest, given the investment. And I have to say that based on my testimony, it is not clear to me that the primary success that you've shown in Anbar has anything to do with the search. You said in this testimony... It was for the poppies, man, the harvest. Come on, Obama, you know that. ...that it's political. This is, uh, this is an reason- Iraq. What? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, okay, I'm sorry. Then it can't be about the poppies. <laughs> no, it's just that the whole thing is he goes on and on and on. He never asked a question that I never, at least I couldn't get into. That you were, we're at the clip point of about four minutes and 30 seconds where he's just lecturing the yeah. guy. Yeah, he does go and on. And then, on. you know, meanwhile, and he doesn't make this point about the surge being questionably uh, of questionable importance, although the, the, in both administrations seem to have now said it was it worked. But, but, but according to what and according to what stats and according to who, yeah. I mean, who knows whether the search did anything. And it, why are we, you know, this, ugh, it, these, this is just a big waste of time and money. So on Thursday, uh, President Obama, uh, leader of the free world, ensured us that our, quote, southern border is more secure today at any time in the past 20 years. Meanwhile, back in... That's just a lie. Yeah, well, so <laughs> there was a huge massacre in El Paso City uh, El Paso City Hall taking fire from the Mexican border. <laughs> like 23 people were killed. 12 miles from uh, Nogales, Arizona, 21 people massacred in a fight between rival smuggling gangs over the right of way to bring their illegal immigrant shipments of narcotics into the U.S. It's like the City Hall of El Paso City is... is is being shot at 
<laughs> what? What? Well, where's El Paso City? Because that's not necessarily anywhere near. Uh, I guess maybe it might be. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think it is. I mean, near the the Arizona border. Whatever the case is, there's all kinds of shit going on, and they just can't. Uh, I don't know what what the government is up to. What? Why Obama's and the rest of them are uh, are so adamant about this? About lying to us, you mean? Yeah. Well. It, it, I mean, we, apparently- and we have listeners that are on that side of the of the argument, and none of their arguments make any sense to me. Yeah, it, oh, it's just racism. You're yeah. just racist. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what we are, racist. Right. It's uh, no, it, it doesn't make it, the only sense it makes is that they're just building a story and shut up and be happy and uh, here's some more Paris Hilton news. What's going on with Lindsay Lohan? How about the Kardashians? Ooh, we have now have Kim Kardashian meeting up with Holly from Holly's World. Ryan Seacrest is a genius. That's all we care about. And Mel Gibson, the latest distraction of the week. Yeah, he's getting divorced or something from that. Yeah, but he, but he, he was yelling at his uh, soon-to-be ex-wife, and she recorded it, apparently. And he used the N-word. <laughs> Poor guy can't... Use the N-word? Can't get... I, yeah, I don't know. It, because, I think it was because she was dressed in a way that he thought was inappropriate, and he said, do you, you, know, do you want to get raped by a gang of N-words? I'm like, okay. And she recorded that. How convenient. And uh, I guess she gave that information or the tape to someone. Hey, you watch all these shows. You should know. I haven't followed. I only watch the shows once a week. Mm. And uh, meanwhile, something amazing happened. Amazing happening in California. Uh, and this, I think, is just a, uh, a tip of the iceberg, a little unveiling of things to come. As many as 200,000 state workers in California could see their pay scale slashed to minimum wage by the end of the month, which is $7.25 an hour, which I thought was more. I thought it was like, wasn't it like nine bucks? I, I think in some locations, I think some city ordinances have it higher. I think the state uh, may be $7.20. So uh, the state controller, no, so Schwarzenegger sent a letter to the state controller and ordered the department to reduce payment of all state workers to the hourly rate of $7.25 unless a budget is reached soon. Uh, that's going to be a problem. Because you know, I'm sure that not everyone is uh, making seven twenty five. They're probably making quite a lot more than that. Oh, yeah, for it, sure. Nobody's making seven twenty five in the state. So, Are you kidding? No. So what is he? What, you know, this is not good. Well, there's contracts involved in this. So it's actually illegal. It's not going to happen. Okay, so it's just a saber rattling. Is that what it is? I'm I'm sure of it. Mm. It's a funny idea, though, because <laughs> in the olden days they would give you an IOU, and then they'd eventually have to pay your old salary. This way, even with an IOU, you wouldn't get as you get all your money. <laughs> it's like a way of getting screwing you. It's it's, it's pretty creative, but well, I don't think it's gonna. It's too, does, these things are all contracted. They're all members of AFSME or SEIU or. Hmm. Like, uh, the California, there's another one. There's three unions that run the place. More news from the Ministry of Truth. The Transportation Security Administration, TSA, is blocking certain websites from the federal agency's computers. Uh, let me give you the list, uh, John, because... Are we on it? Oh, yeah. Oh, we're on it. Here's how the list works. Um, cat, there are four, uh, five categories of websites that as of uh, July 1st, TSA employees will no longer be allowed to access because, of course, you know, the TSA employees um, are 
not always highly educated. Let me just put it mildly. Um, and they do have brains and some of them are probably starting to get clued into, wait a minute, we're like radiating people to death. We're giving them cancer. We're looking at their private parts. People hate us. So they don't want to be in, they don't want these, uh, these pure, poor slaves with badges to be indoctrinated. So, uh, chat and messaging websites, uh, that category of course is excluded. Uh, criminal activity, obvious. Extreme violence, including cartoon violence and gruesome content, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, gaming. But of course, the most important category, controversial opinion. <laughs> I think we might fall under that category. Controversial opinion. I don't think our opinions are that controversial. <laughs> oh, yeah, they might be according to the Ministry of Truth. <laughs> huh. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think... Uh, I think we might be yeah, uh, with some more bypass mechanisms. Yeah, I think we might be uh, off the uh, list there. Yeah. And uh, let's see, I had a couple other things here. You got more clips, man. I'm waiting for you to jump in. Yeah, one got- clip. I got one clip that just I just found was hilarious, which is the fiction writer's clip. Very short clip. It's Glenn Beck expressing himself. <laughs> As he does. About fiction writers. The only people that really tell you what they honestly think about what's coming in the way of the future, and they could be wrong, are fiction writers, I think. That's why I love talking to them. They're very well informed, very intelligent, and many, many times way, way, way ahead of the time. Um, <laughs> like Tom Clancy. He's always spot on. He's always got it right. And, well, yeah, well, here's the joke. He's way, 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 way ahead of the time, blah, blah, blah. Glenn Beck is now a fiction writer, coincidentally. Oh, okay. That makes so this sense. This is kind of a way of kind of, this is like a, a way of, of inserting a kind of an engram before, you know, he actually becomes a full-time fiction writer because he's apparently done very well with his little novel. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so he puts this in your brain. Oh, fiction writers. Here's the reason I like fiction writers because they're geniuses and they're smart and they can see ahead in the future and they're this and they're that. And they're, oh, by the way, I happen to be one of them. Yes, I happen so, to be one. So I, th- I found that disingenuous kind of thing. I, there's more on that particular show, which I'll have for a future episode of No Agenda. But I was really reluctant, thank goodness, not to bring it into this week's show. A couple of uh, follow-up stories, just some headlines. You can go read them for yourself. Um, a friend of former weapons inspector, inspector Dr. Kelly, said to have committed suicide in 2003. This is the guy who... Um, the weapons inspector said, uh, you know what? There's no actual weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And then he suicided himself uh, with a uh, potato knife. Uh, and the files have been sealed for 70 years because, God forbid, you know, we find out when we still care that he was actually killed. Uh, there's now all kinds of... Uh, um, at least, at, 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 at least substantial evidence that uh, the Daily Mail is really all over this proving pretty much that he was too weak to have slid his own wrists after taking 29 painkillers. Um, and also the uh, coroner's report, which finally there was an autopsy done, or there was a, at least a report was released, um, stated that he was found dead in the field, but that doesn't mean that he actually, uh, ki- that he died there. So they believe he probably uh, killed himself somewhere else or was killed somewhere else. So he killed himself and, and then, then walked, walked into yes, the field exactly. <laughs> after, on sleeping pills. Yes, exactly. With, with his wrist slit. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. The, All adds up. Uh, the uh, Lockerbie uh, bomber, um, 
who of course was set free uh, by the Scottish government with some help from uh, Scotsman Gordon Brown there. Uh, and why again was he set free, John? What was the reason? Okay, it goes like this. Uh, everybody knew, and there's lots of reports done during the Lockerbie era that it, this guy had nothing to do with it. In fact, it was probably the Syrians or some other group, and it was it could have been an Al-Qaeda thing. Who knows? Whatever the case was, there was a lot of evidence that showed that this guy had nothing to do with it. But somebody had to take the fall because they wanted to get this thing wrapped up before too much information got out about something or other. We don't know. Whatever the case was, they, they this, well, this guy was in jail. The powers that be to defend him were accumulating data information to prove his innocence apparently books books and books worth of information that would have been very embarrassing for the government to let into the public domain thus they had to come up with a bogus excuse to get him out of the country basically out of jail and and kind of whitewash the whole thing so this whatever this body of evidence was won't become again in the public domain so that's why they released him what what was the story that they uh, used to release him? Oh, he had cancer. He's dying, and the poor guy had to get home so he could die at home. Right. Well, it looks like, uh, according to Agent France Press, he could live for another ten years. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so that that fits in perfectly with your real explanation. Yeah. No, I'm sure the real explanation is the explanation. It's the only thing that makes any sense. Yeah. Now he could live for another. But we 10. don't know what it is. We don't have any real clue. I mean, there was some evidence that it was an Al Qaeda thing, perhaps early evidence of that, or there was it was it was a or a mix up, or it could have been a lot of different things. But we don't know. We never will know because they wouldn't let this evidence. I'm sure it'll come up some. It'll crop up somewhere. But the real story is out there. All we do know is that the same people who investigated the Lockerbie bombing are also uh, suspect in uh, pedophilia rings in uh, and part of that whole cabal in uh, Scotland. And I'll stop right there because we're at the end of the show and I don't want to get cut off uh, as we say goodbye because that's usually what happens when I start on that. I will be uh, interviewing for the stream. I've been doing some extra stuff uh, lately. I did a, a nice live acoustic set that is on the stream now, uh, uh, all Daily Source Code, episode 838, with a, a great Dutch uh, artist who played live here in the Watchtower um, I'm going to be doing an interview with a journalist from Gitmo Nation Lowlands who, uh, he's, he, uh, I told you about this, Micha Kut, the guy that when I interviewed him on the radio station, they kicked me off the air and took down the whole station, the whole media group actually, four stations, <laughs> went away. Good work. Yeah, so uh, kiss this the stream. This we are listener supported, Dvorak.org slash NA. Yes. <laughs> Keep us on the air. Please do. And uh, we also need some backup uh, streaming servers available just in case, because I'm sure that they'll go after our stream provider eventually. Kind of so happens. Now you're going to play this eight minute clip from, remind us again? Yeah, this is, um, this will be coming up right after uh, the closing credits. It's called West Wing Week, and the title of uh, this week's episode is Home of the Kringle. And, uh,. It is a reality-based show. You really need to see the whole video, though, because they've got unbelievable footage from inside the plane. You got the president watching World Cup soccer. It's just—it's outstanding, and they've got—it's produced on Final Cut Pro, but it's produced, and it's—it's uh, it's just hilarious. The Ministry of Truth is uh, out there working for you. Your tax dollars are work. So yeah, we would appreciate uh, some help for this listener-supported show, as John said, Dvorak.org slash NA or channel Dvorak.com slash NA. Noagendashow.com. Coming to you from Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California, IA. Happy Fourth of July, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. And from the Gitmo Nation Pacific Northwest, uh, where I also wish all a nice uh, and safe 
July 4th. Uh, I'm John C. Dvorak. We will talk to you again on Thursday right here on No Agenda. West Wing Week, your guide to everything that's happening at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. But first, a brief message from foodsafety.gov. Hello, I'm Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack. This summer, do your best to keep food out of the danger zone. Keep cold food cold, below 40 degrees and hot foods hot, by cooking thoroughly and serving right away. This week, June 25th to July 1st, or Home of the Kringle. On Friday morning, June 25th, President Obama made a statement on the South Driveway about the Wall Street reform bill currently making its way through Congress. We are poised to pass the toughest financial reforms since the ones we created in the aftermath of the Great Depression. Early this morning, the House and Senate reached an agreement on a set of Wall Street reforms that represents 90% of what I proposed when I took up this fight. Later that afternoon, the President left for Muskoka, Ontario for the G8 summit to address a range of global issues. Upon arrival, he was greeted by Canadian Prime Minister Harper, and the delegations immediately got down to the important business at hand, discussing economic issues such as global development and a need for greater accountability. On Saturday, June 26th, the G8 summit took on some issues of international security, including discussions about Iran, North Korea, and the situation in Afghanistan. President Obama then traveled to stormy Toronto for the G20, where he highlighted another area of international cooperation by giving a ride to newly elected Prime Minister of the UK, David Cameron. The President then spent the afternoon in bilateral meetings. Mr. President, may I please introduce His Excellency, the President of the Republic of Korea. How are you? Affirming our alliance with South Korea, strengthening our relationship with China, and taking time to settle up on a bet with Prime Minister Cameron about the U.S.-U.K. World Cup soccer match. Since it ended in a tie, uh, we are exchanging, uh, paying off our debts at the same time. Uh, this is Goose Island 312 beer from my hometown of Chicago. And uh, David, I understand this, this is, is Hob Goblin from the Witchwood Brewery in Whitney in my kitchen. Um, and so uh, I advised him that in America we drink our beer cold. So he has to put this in the refrigerator before uh, before he drinks it. But I think he will find it uh, outstanding. And uh, I'm happy to give that a shot. Although I will not drink it warm. In a brief moment between two meetings, the president was able to catch some of the U.S. World Cup soccer match against Ghana. The U.S. went on to lose a close game 2-1. to one. On Sunday, June 27th, the G20 summit was in full swing, with President Obama attending plenary sessions focused on the global coordination for economic recovery. If we act in a coordinated manner and avoid pitfalls, this could mean global output raised by $4 trillion, the creation of 52 million new jobs, and 90 million people lifted out of poverty. After taking part in the formal leader's portrait, or family photo, the president hunkered down for more bilaterals, highlighting America's cooperation with Indonesia, our strategic partnership with India, and celebrating the 50th anniversary of our alliance with Japan. On his way to a press conference, President Obama ran into Prime Minister Harper. Well, thanks for your hospitality. Well, thanks for all your help. The president then spoke to the press on the accomplishments of the summit and the role the U.S. will take. In the United States, we are committed 
above all to leading by example. And because of the steps that we've taken to get our economy moving, we are growing again, and this growth is beginning to translate into job creation. Then it was time to leave for sunny Washington, D.C. On Monday, June 28th, with the flag over the White House flying at half-staff for the passing of Senator Robert Byrd, the President held a series of meetings. That afternoon, he met with the winners of the 2010 Math Counts National Competition in the Oval Office. Uh, I've been putting a lot of emphasis on math and science education because how well we do as a country is going to depend on you know, uh, how well young people like you do uh, on math and science. Next time uh, Malia or Versace have math homework, I'm going to call you up. <laughs> okay. okay? Is that a deal? All right. The president, photographer Pete Souza, and the mathletes then put right. their math skills to practical we use. Two, two of you on each side. Oh, well, we got the coach too here. Well, three on one side, two on the other. There you <laughs> go. That's all the math. So that was a math problem. <laughs> Slide in. All right, come on. On Tuesday, June 29th, the president met with his economic team and chairman of the Federal Reserve Board, Ben Bernanke to be briefed on the economic recovery. We share the view that uh, the economy uh, is strengthening, that uh, we are into recovery, that it's actually led by some interesting sectors like manufacturing that we haven't seen in quite some time. President Obama also met with a bipartisan group of senators in the cabinet room to discuss the need to pass energy and climate legislation this year, an effort he believes will not only involve action by the government, but an effort from the whole nation to change the way we use and produce energy. Later, the president welcomed King Abdullah to the White House, still in the hemisphere after the G20 in Toronto. They discussed a range of issues, including the Middle East peace process, the situation in Afghanistan, and our continued cooperation against al-Qaeda. On behalf of the American people, welcome. Uh, we appreciate your friendship, uh, and we appreciate your good counsel, and look forward to continuing to work together to strengthen uh, the strong bonds between our two countries. On Wednesday, June 30th, President Obama traveled to Racine, Wisconsin, where he grabbed a local pastry called a Kringle from O&H Bakery, before holding a town hall meeting to discuss the state of the economy and the usual posturing that comes with doing business back in Washington. The leader of the Republicans in the House said that financial reform was like, I'm quoting here, using a nuclear weapon to target an ant. That's what he said. He, he, he compared the financial crisis to an ant. This is the same financial crisis that led to the loss of nearly 8 million jobs. Same crisis that cost people their homes, their life savings. I, 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 he can't be that out of touch. On Thursday, President Obama's motorcade weaved through D.C. to American University, where he delivered remarks on comprehensive immigration reform, explaining the broken system we currently have in place and proposing a new direction. Now, stopping illegal immigration must go hand in hand with reforming our creaky system of legal immigration. Later that afternoon, the president signed the Iran sanctions bill into law, imposing the toughest set of sanctions ever put in place on Iran. In the entire world, there is only one signatory to the MPT, only one, that has been unable to convince the International Atomic Energy Agency that its nuclear program is for peaceful purposes. One nation, and that nation is Iran. To find out more information on any of these topics or to see complete videos of these events, go to whitehouse.gov. And thanks again for checking out your West Wing Week. What's the math question? Okay, this is called the Oval Office. Yes. Right? Is it an oval? 
Or do you want me to give you like what's the diameter of it or something? No. Where are the foci of the oval? See. <laughs> Don't look over here. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at 